0: Oh, isn't it great to worship God? His goodness is running after us. Do you know him as a father and a friend today? You know, we were singing about the great I am just a little bit ago. I was able to sit in and, and merit's class. They've been going through the book of John. We promote our classes. We want everybody in a class um, that you can build relationships with other Christians and learn what it means to follow Jesus, to learn theology. And the book of John goes through um, these I am statements. In the Old Testament, when God called Moses, Moses said, who shall I tell the people that sent me? And God told Moses, tell them, I am have sent you. I am that I am. In the New Testament, Jesus is telling the people, I am God. I am the son of man, which means he is man. I am the son of God, which means he is God. Jesus is fully man and fully God. And he would tell people that I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the true vine. I am the resurrection and the life. Before Abraham was, I am. All of that is to point to the fact that Jesus is I am. He is God. That's just a little theology for you guys as we're getting started this morning. I did want to share something else. You know, I was led this week thinking about some things I said last week. And I was saying if anyone ever questions the goodness of God, it's good to ask them. um, And I say things and I have context in my mind and I say things out loud and I'm not sure how they are received. But people will question the goodness of God. If He is good, then why this? And so the first point would be, ask them when they are given an opportunity to do good, if they do good. And a good question to ask is typically the people that question the goodness of God are people that don't necessarily love God anyway. They're resisting Him. Do you believe in abortion? Well, yes. So when you're given the opportunity to choose good or bad, you say it's okay to murder a baby. And then you put it on them and you help them understand evil is in the world because of man, not because of God. God has given us the opportunity to choose, to freely love. And because of the fall, because of the decision of Adam and Eve, sin is in the world. And the New Testament tells us because of Adam's decision to disobey God, sin and death are in the world. You might ask, why are we, why is there evil in the world because of his one decision? Adam was the first man, the representative of all humanity, our father in the world. And just like your own father, if your father makes bad decisions, it's going to affect the entire family. If a president makes bad decisions, it affects the entire nation. And so one decision can have many consequences. But evil is in the world because we do evil. Now you may question God, but we have to close the gap on those things. And the idea of answering these questions is to leave room for faith for people. But at the same time, if you read the New Testament, Jesus was always questioned not to have the answer, but to attack him. So many questions of Christianity are attacks. To make you doubt your faith or to spin or to make Christianity look bad. So Jesus was always asked questions and he usually would answer a question with a question, which was great. As we begin today, raise your hand if you've ever glass has fallen on the floor in your home and shattered and pieces went everywhere. Uh, We've all done that. Last week I was doing some cleaning and some moving things and I found a shard of glass. Somehow it escaped our cleaning, and, and when a glass or something breaks in the home, whatever it may be, glass shatters. It goes everywhere, and for us, we're on full alert. Nobody move, <laughs> you know. Put the dogs up quick. Uh, somebody get a broom. Somebody get a dustpan. You know, get a box because we put the glass in a box. We sweep it up, and these broken pieces go. Ever. You do not want to step on a piece of broken glass. It is the worst thing ever. And as I was thinking about that this week, I was thinking about life. And ministry is like that. When when something breaks, you know, and the glass breaks in the home, we look down, we're looking at the shattered pieces, we're not looking up at the things that are going on around us, and life in ministry is like that. Uh, We are in a world of sin and trauma and death, broken families, shattered lives. I was just told this week of a young man who was so high on drugs, he plucked his own eye out, ripped it out of his socket. This is the world we live in. And oftentimes we are looking at the shattered, the shards of life, and we as Christians forget to look up. And we are told in the Bible to look to Jesus, to look to Him and be saved. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And oftentimes as we are in this this drudgery here on earth, as we're seeing the brokenness of life, We are called as Christians to look up. Now, if you look at God through the broken lens of life, you will always see Him as bad. But if you look beyond the bad and look to the goodness of God and see the plan He has to restore the world, then you can smile again. If you're always looking at the bad, always looking down, you will not be reminded of the heavenly things. We are called as Christians to look above, to seek the things above, and and, and hope in these things. It is so important in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul writes a letter about this. We're going to be back in Colossians today, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Mary has read the the bulk of this context, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 4 here. And then you... If then, a good hypothetical at the beginning. So as Paul's writing these letters, you're supposed to be a church, you're supposed to be Christian. If then, you have been raised with Christ, now this is what's awesome. We were talking about the resurrection of Jesus this morning. We're going to get into this a little more. I thought the resurrection is later. I thought it's something that happens in the future. And remember when and, and, um, I'm trying to I think not one of Martha came to Jesus. I get Mary and Martha mixed up all the time. But Martha comes to Jesus and said, I know of the resurrection. And Jesus says, No, no, no. I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection is not just some future thing. The resurrection church is a person that we are raised in Christ. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things of the earth, the shattered brokenness of the world. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears the future appearing of Christ and the resurrection, then the the physical resurrection, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's pray together today. And Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this moment in time to gather as your people to worship you, to celebrate the great I am. And today we celebrate your goodness, your love, your grace, your mercy, your salvation for us, your love for us, and your resurrection. And I pray today that you give us eyes to see the kingdom fresh and new, that we're not always looking at the cares of the world, that we depart from the old life and grab on to your life, that we may be raised in you. As we place our faith in you, we believe in you, and you radically, by the Holy Spirit, change our behavior. I pray we depart from the old ways and we live in you, in Christ, in life. And Lord, give us spiritual ears to hear your truth today. Lord, the world is moving against you. It is antichrist. It is anti-church because it is anti-Christ. But you have given us the message, the good news, the angelion, the gospel, that you are in the business of saving sinners. And Lord, I pray that we just continue to move in this life, to grow in this life as you plant this word in our hearts today, that we may be saved, that we may grow in grace and knowledge of you, that we may be the disciples you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, church ministry can be uh, very messy. The mission that Christ has called us to is not easy at all. Again, shards, glass scattered everywhere. And we're trying to manage these things, this broken world. But a huge part of the mission, and I want you to hear this, is that there is a destiny. The Word of God speaks to our origin, a beginning. It speaks to morality. It speaks to our purpose. And it speaks to a destiny that we get to look forward to. Uh, This world is dark, it is in uh, depression because it doesn't realize the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Uh, But we have a destiny as God's people. And we are part of His rescue mission. Never forget that. Every Christian is a missionary. We're all part of the mission, doing our part to rescue people in the world. And we must never forget that, uh, that we are being saved from something and to something. God saved the Israelites out of Egypt from something, bondage and sin, into God's presence, into the promised land. As us, we are being saved out of the world and into Christ, which is salvation. Uh, We've been saved from sin and death. We've been given life and an eternal home. We're saved, and there is a place for us. And we as Christians are to press on, we're to, to run for the prize, and we are to set our mind on heaven. Uh, We have had a culture that has not only moved against hell, that they want to erase hell in churches. Uh, Many churches will not preach on hell. They will not talk about hell. And now they're not even wanting to talk about heaven. That heaven is just what we make of it because Jesus said that I am in the midst of you and His kingdom is already here. And there is a theology that His kingdom has come, but there is a kingdom that will come that we are going to. There is a place, a home that we will go to. The first thing we want to see today is why should I set my mind on heavenly things? Again, Paul says this, set your minds on the things that are above, the good things, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Uh, The first thing we have to understand today, church, is that if you have trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation, the old person has died. The old Derek is dead. Um, now I am alive in Christ. It is Christ who lives in me. The old man is dead. The new life has come. And, and Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 6. I love this. If you were to just read, Romans is a deep theological book about our salvation. And he says in chapter 6, "Shall grace, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And that is to say, should we sin, that there would be more grace? If I sin again, God forgives me again. Don't you meet people like that? I can go party and just ask for forgiveness later. And that, that's not the way it works. Uh, do not sin. He says, God forbid those things, that we should no longer be in sin, that we are not, if, if we sin again, we are choosing to as Christians and putting ourselves back into sl- uh, slavery of sin. Then he goes into verse 5 here. For if we've been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. The old, um, the old body of sin that's, that is in slavery has been delivered. For one who has died has been set free from sin. If you're dead, the sentence of that death is gone. You're no more a slave to sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. The old person who was born in sin under Adam has died. Now, most, many Christians I meet, I don't want to say most, many are still operating under their father, Adam. They have not realized their position in Christ. That we are operating, we're still living in sin. We're saying we are Christians. We live under the bondage of sin under Adam. But when Christ died on the cross, we who believed in Him, we were actually buried with Him spiritually. That Christ represented us on the cross, so when He died, we died with Him if we believe in Him. When He was buried spiritually, all those who believe were buried with Him. That means you have Died with Christ. The old man is in the grave. The new man is the man who is raised. Adam brought forth death, but Jesus referred to as the last Adam in the scriptures was the life-giving spirit. He gives us life. Adam brought forth sin and death. Jesus Christ brings forth life for us. We are no longer spiritually dead. Now we are alive. That is what God is in the business of doing. Not just making bad people good, but giving dead people life. That is the gospel. That is the good news. We are living, we are living people walking in the shadowlands. This is it. Uh, We are in the shadow of death. The good thing is that if you, if you were to see a tractor trailer going down the road and the shadow passed by you, it does nothing. We are now only in the shadow of death. We're not really being hit by death in the same way because of what Christ has done for us. Here's a bit more. When Jesus was raised from the dead, we were raised with him. That's what I mean by that. It is not just the future resurrection. It is a present reality spiritually. And when he ascended, as we learn in the book of Acts, and the disciples were looking up, Spiritually, we ascended with Him. And when He sat down in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father, the Bible tells us we are with Him in heaven presently right now. Much like when Noah went into the ark, the wrath of God is coming. To be in the ark means salvation. If you are in Christ, you are saved. You are raised up above the floodwaters and the wrath to come. And here it is, simply. If you are in Christ, you have salvation because you are spiritually in heaven in Christ Jesus. And Christ, we learn, is actually living in us, which is our sanctification, that he is making us like him, that we are made holy. So us in Christ, salvation. He in us, sanctification, and working that out and making us holy. This should radically change our thinking about our place here on earth. This is not our home. We are in the world, but we are not of the world, though we are called out of the world. But we are doing ministry here, but spiritually, we are in heaven, in Christ, saved at the right hand of the Father. And us as Christians, because of this, we need to resist the temptation to live and do life like the world. We are desperate to fit in. You know, and over the years, I've done student ministries. I've worked with young people, uh, college students, children, uh, teenagers. And they are desperate to fit in with their peers. But it's not just young people. Adults are desperate to fit in. Have you ever heard of keeping up with the Joneses? That's not the kids doing that. Who does that? It's the person that has a home that lives beside the Joneses. And the Joneses have all the stuff. And you see it. And what is it? We, We were reading in the scripture, put away covetousness. Man, the Joneses are always on vacation. They got all the stuff. They post all the cool pictures. You know, some people they take a picture in front of a sunset. Now it makes it look all the better, doesn't it? You don't see the debt when there's a sunset in the background. It just makes it all look lovely. Uh, doing life like the Joneses. I had a friend that had, was living in sin who said, "You ought to, you know, come out and party with me." And I'm married. It's to pull away from those things. These are the things of the world. sin that tempts us. But we don't need to fit in with the way everybody else does it. In fact, if you investigate their life, it's just not that good, is it? They look miserable. And when the bills come due, you think mom and dad are getting along? There's going to be some, some fighting in there. There's no peace in this wasting and doing life like the world. We want to feel comfortable and accepted. Um, this, this place, we're trying to make the place of sin and death our home. This is not our home. Young people are telling people, now I do not feel comfortable in my, in my skin. I was really having a conversation, a debate, with a younger person, not a teenager, but a young woman, who were saying, we as Christians need to help people feel comfortable in their skin. We're never called to make people feel comfortable. And what is being taught is that if you have any uncertainty about your sexuality, that you might just be the opposite sex. Imagine decades ago, if a girl was a tomboy, we just said, actually, you're supposed to identify as a male. There are some girls who were tomboys when I was young that are very attractive women today. They are very much women. But if they had grown up today, they would say, well, you might really... Just be a boy on the inside. And so people are feeling uncomfortable. And I want to tell you why they feel uncomfortable in their skin. Because they are being lied to by Satan. They're being lied to by false preachers and teachers. They're being law- lied to by their peers. You know, what? you know, we have a lot of good people and Christians in public school. But one of the reasons I don't always like public school... It's because we put people, our young people into a place where the peer is telling them what is right and wrong. And I think we need to make sure that we are teaching young people what is right and wrong. I might not have felt comfortable in my skin when I was young. Imagine if somebody said, you're really just a woman on the inside. Now just tear everything up. Young girls are cutting off their breasts. They're actually performing these surgeries. And now people are realizing they shouldn't have done it in the first place. But you don't hear those stories and testimonies. Just because I question what I am. You know, it's interesting over the years, I've met people who've been baptized multiple times. I don't believe in rebaptism, but I've met people, man, I've been baptized five times. I was like, they didn't get it right the first time? <laughs> so, the baptized, what happens is we're baptized and we go into the world and we live in sin. And then we feel like, well, maybe the first one didn't count. We come back and get baptized again. The same thing can apply with our uncertainty as a person in the world. Well, maybe I was not a male. Maybe I'm meant to be a woman. So I live as a woman for a while. Well, maybe I was not meant to be a woman. This is not working out. Maybe I was really supposed to be a male. And there's actually transitioning back and forth because the world is promoting confusion and lies in the world. By the way, celebrate your young men in your home, your children, their masculinity, their maleness, and celebrate the femininity of the young girls. Tell them they're beautiful. They look lovely. When the boy does something tough, "Mm, you're tough. You're strong. This is who you are as we're teaching them to follow Jesus Christ and who He is. And He will settle the uncertainty because peace comes from God. We need peace in our life. We need peace with God. We need the peace that surpasses all understanding. The understanding of the world is to seek your personal happiness, and seeking your personal happiness is destructive. We need to seek the happiness of God. Now, I don't know where I am in my notes because none of that was in my notes. But the happiness we should seek is the eternal happiness in Christ. The life that He gives us. And if we seek those things, they are good because they belong to God. This is what is meant for us. We should want to set our mind on the heavenly things. We should want to set our minds on this present reality that I am in heaven, in Christ Jesus, that I've been raised with Him, and I want what He has to offer me in the world. Christ is there in heaven. You know, we should want to be there. We should want our mind on the heavenly things. One, because Jesus is there. A lot of people kind of picture heaven as this place where they'll go and just skip through the flowers. And Jesus is not there in their imagination. I want to be in heaven because Christ is there. Because he is the resurrection and life. The family of God is going to be there. Have you ever been to a family reunion when not everybody's there? It's kind of wonky. I don't even know where that word came from. I don't know if it's Greek or Hebrew. It doesn't feel normal. So-and-so's not here. They couldn't make it this year. But the year when everybody is there, isn't that awesome? Heaven is going to be like that. All the Old Testament saints, all the believers that have passed away are going to be there. Our family members who have believed are going to be there. And we're going to be there. I want my mind set on those things. The whole heavenly host, the angelic beings, we get to see angels. It's going to be exciting. Our reward is going to be there. And every spiritual blessing that is in Christ is going to be there. If you were to read Ephesians chapter 1, Paul tells the, the church in Ephesus that you have been blessed. A lot of times we're praying, God bless me, just bless me, I need some more blessings. The Bible tells us that we have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So everything you already need, you already have. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Now here it is, I want you to hear what C.S. Lewis says. So why should we seek the heavenly things? It it, it affects our perspective in life. C.S. Lewis said this, If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. When I have my mind on the heavenly, the destiny, the things that are in Christ, it alters my lifestyle here on earth. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in the present world. So here it is. Look at your life. How effective are you? Let's get our minds back in the game. Let's set our mind on the heavenly places. On the heavenly things. Everything that is good in God. The next thing I want you to see is what Paul is saying again in verse 2 here. Set your minds, your minds meaning plural, the church, everybody. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things on earth. So how do I do this? How do I make this happen in my life? Our minds... Get filled with the things of the world. Jessica and I, uh, we love streaming. I love streaming. Now, at the same time, I tell people, you know, sometimes you need to stop so much streaming. You know, you got to have some boundaries. But I love it because it wasn't commercials. But now, and I I like to go with the cheap. And so we purchased a streaming service. It was like $4.99. I was like, yes, because all the rest, you know, is more. Turns out you got to have commercials. I was like, oh, man, I hate commercials. Because they're always telling you to buy and do things that you don't want to buy or do. Now these commercials are filled with teaching that the people that are living homosexual lives and, dread, and drugs and all these things to help them. They're promoting gender neutral and all these things and all these commercials that I'm seeing. And I was like, I don't want to see that because it indoctrinates us and it, it forces us to accept it. And by the way, that, that, that group that that is is a small group. But our culture and the media is forcing it, making it look like it is normative. It is not normative. There was a movie that was released recently called Bros. Because all men want to go see a movie with two dudes, you know, in love. Yeah, man. Hey, you want to go see a movie? Yeah, let's go see a movie about two dudes hanging out. No, it, it failed at the box office. And the director blamed heterosexual males. You're just homophobic. No, I'm not afraid. I just don't think men go together. Even if you never read the Bible, the parts don't work. So we're seeing this push. This media push and it alters the mind. Please I want you to know that. We're laughing about that, but it alters the mind. And people begin to accept it and think it is normative. That is not in my notes. I Lord, what are you doing? Where's the time going? Oh, my gracious. Oh, my gracious. All right, so we need to set our minds on the the heavenly things, the things above, and the first thing I want you to see that we need to set our mind on the heavenly, that we first, to see the kingdom, you must be born again. There must be a spiritual transaction that takes place. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 3, and verse 3. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. By the way, our culture is saying it's okay to live in sin because I was born that way. The Bible teaches us we must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Now, part of the answer for making this happen to seeking the things that are above to see and set our minds on the heavenly is found in the first verse of Colossians 3. It says this, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. There should be a seeking. That I'm seeking God. I'm after Him. We are to seek first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness and everything will be added to us. We have to be on the move. We have to be pursuing Jesus as we are setting our minds on the heavenlies. Jesus said this, Seek first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness. And seeking the things of God must take a priority. It has to take priority. Now we're living in a culture, this is radical commitment has shifted Uh, there used to be people that came to church they were so committed they came every time the door was open Sunday morning uh, Sunday evening and even if they had a potluck meal they'd have the meal and still have the evening service Wednesdays whatever it is everybody was always here and then making sure our kids made second place in all these activities We started having them involved in all these sports. So they would get a trophy and all these things, right? And feel good about their esteem. And so we started doing that. And those became the priority. And then Sunday became an option. And all the ministry that is involved in church. And now people will come once or twice a month. And I've literally, over the last decade, I started getting texts from people. Oh, there's frost on the grass. I can't make it. (laughs) Achoo! Text message, I chew, Pastor, I can't make it. And we're seeing this like lower, this lowering the expectation that Christ is calling us to, do, to be committed to his mission, that I can't make it. <coughs> Could you imagine the disciples? Jesus said, I've chosen you, follow me. <coughs> Jesus, I, I don't know about today. And Jesus raises the bar. Well, I got to prepare for this funeral. No, let the dead bury the dead. Well, i got to deal with my father, his inheritance, and all these things. You are to follow Jesus Christ. The next thing I want you to see that we should be praying. We're taught to pray the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 6, our father, which art in where? He's in heaven. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, how do I make it on earth as it is in heaven? Unless my mind is set on the heavenlies. Unless my mind is set on the Father who is holy in heaven. We are wanting to see God's will accomplished on earth. And we set our mind on the heavenlies. Number four here. We should be reading and thinking the things of God. Reading the things of God, eternalizing them in our hearts and our minds, changes our thinking. And our thinking radically changes our behavior. So here's some verses about heaven. John chapter 14, verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will... Come again, and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. That Jesus Christ was risen and raised. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's prepared a place for us. He is coming again for us. But we must live prepared, setting our minds on the heavenlies. Luke 15, 7. These are just a few verses about heaven. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. There is joy in heaven. And if I'm setting my mind on heaven... When someone who repents and turns to Jesus, they're celebrating in heaven. And sometimes on earth we're kind of like, oh, well, that's kind of good. We should be celebrating the things of God. If I'm setting my mind on the things above and they're celebrating in heaven, we should be celebrating in the church when someone turns to Jesus, Revelation 21.4. And He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That does mean there's going to be something good to be a part of. There's no death in heaven. There's no mourning in heaven. We mourn down here because there's death. There's going to be eternal life in heaven. And we are looking to these things. And as we're pursuing the things of God, people will see that in your life. That No, I'm not pursuing all the things of the world. I'm pursuing the life of Jesus. I want to be there where He is. Psalm 23, 6. We read the 23rd Psalm in most funerals, a lot of funerals. Um, The Lord is my shepherd, but at the end is why. Therefore, uh, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We share that because it's to comfort us. That there's a place and a destiny that we're going to and it will be in heaven. The next thing I want you to see, church, is that we should be walking and living this thing out. Again, Colossians chapter 2 from last week. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. I believe in Jesus. I've received Him in my life. If He's in my life, that means I am sanctified. I'm in Christ. I'm in salvation. Be rooted and built up in Him. Based on the things that we were taught building this foundation, as I am walking, I'm walking in the things of God. And then Colossians today from chapter 3. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death these desires that are not godly. Put to death the seeking of the things of the world. The first thing he says is sexual immorality of all kinds. The parnaya. Sex outside of marriage, sex before marriage, sex with the same sex, the same, just moving around, hooking up—all of that is sexual perversion. God has designed sex within marriage between a man and a woman. Jesus actually talks about it. Have you been told that Jesus never talked about homosexuality? He talked about heterosexuality. Now, heterosexuality is not necessarily the goal, but he talks about our design. He said, "From the beginning, you have been heard." In Matthew, you've been told in Matthew chapter nineteen didn 't you hear that he made them male and female? Why would he say that? because he 's speaking to the positive of our sexuality, and the woman or the man shall leave and cleave to his wife and become one that is the design for us that is in heaven. Put away sexual immorality, do it the right way. put away impurity, any impurity, the passions of the world, evil desires, covetousness, which is ultimately idolatry because you're making the things that someone else has idolatry on account of these the wrath of god is coming now there's a theology today that says all the wrath was already settled on jesus there's no more wrath jesus took upon himself wrath that we deserved the death that we deserved if you reject his propitiation his substitution for you if you reject it there's wrath to come the wrath is coming against all who are wicked doers All those who did not accept Jesus for their salvation, wrath is coming against those things. In verse 7, in these, you too once walked when you were living in them. This is how we used to be. We live that way. This is our testimony. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self and its practices and have put on the new self in Christ Jesus, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the Creator after God. We are being made new after the image of God. That is the gospel. That we're saved from our old life, we turn from that, and He's making us new and creating us into His image. Isn't that great? The pastor said some crazy stuff. It is good news. A few weeks ago we were preaching the message that our gospel came to you not in word only, Today, this message comes to you not in word only, but in power. The Holy Spirit moves in our lives and full conviction. In fact, we need to stop playing partial conviction. I'm kind of thinking about this Jesus thing. I still want some of the things of the world. We are to have full conviction, full commitment to God because the Word of God has power. The Holy Spirit is radically moving in our lives. I'm going to ask Jay to come as we prepare to close. If you would slide forward for us. We're going to have a time of prayer. Um, Jay, can you slide that forward one? In Spain, guess what tomorrow is? Columbus Day. You guys have been indoctrinated. All right, we're going to learn something here as we close. Um, Regardless... You know, we have tried to eradicate, i talked about systematically undoing, um, deconstructing history, but there's some really good stuff that happened in history. And there's a, there's, a, there's a monument that you would find in Spain today, and it's actually commemorating Christopher Columbus. He died not long after 1492. He died in 1506. But this monument stands there today commemorating his great discovery. Now, what he, that means is for Europe. Obviously, there were people over, already over here. Um, but the most interesting feature of the memorial, this statue that they did here for, for Christopher Columbus, is a statue. Part of it shows this lion ripping off a Latin word or a part of a Latin word, which was part of a Spain's motto for centuries. Before Christopher Columbus made his voyages, the Spaniards thought they had reached the outer limits of the earth. We have discovered everything that needs to be discovered. And their motto was, nay plus ultra, which means there's no more beyond. The word being torn down away by the lion, the discoverer, the one who's willing to still get out there, is tearing down the nay or the no, making it read plus ultra. Columbus had proven that there was more beyond. Now, church, as we're talking about that today, and we're learning to set our minds on the heavenly places, there is more beyond. It's not just the earth. There's the heavenly places where Christ dwells, where we are seated with Him in the heavenly places, and we are to set our minds on Him. So as we prepare to close, we're going to open the altars. If you want to come and pray, maybe you've been looking at the world and focusing on all the tragedy All the shattered pieces of life and broken families and sickness and evil and wickedness in the world. But the scriptures teach us, the the Apostle Paul teaches us to look to the beyond, to look to the heavenly places. Let's stand. We're going to sing and we're going to pray. You can come and pray about whatever you need to pray about. And we're going to celebrate Jesus.